I'm going to tell y'all what after. After last week, it's kind of hard to get up here and preach. I don't know. I don't think I can, I don't think I can top that one. I just kind of want to do the mic drop and walk on out the door. <laughs> Something was here last week, man, and it wasn't, it wasn't me. <laughs> it, was, it was a great service. Um, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try, y'all, with the grace of God. As I mentioned earlier, we talked about a little earlier, and Susan talked about today is today's Ascension Sunday. It's where we celebrate and we remember the Ascension or the, uh, the Ascension of the resurrected Jesus into, uh, into heaven. It's also the seventh Sunday of the Easter season. And uh, y'all know this is kind of stuff that I like to talk about from time to time because I really enjoy and I appreciate celebrating and, and, and uh, worshiping along with the, with the season of the church year. Uh, you know, Easter's not just a day. Easter's not just one day. It's several weeks. And uh, this is the last Sunday of that season. We've been celebrating it, you know, since, since we celebrate Easter Day. Uh, same thing with Advent. Same thing with, same thing with Christmas. You know, what in the world would the, what, what, what would the church look like, I wonder, if we actually celebrated Christmas um, for the number of days that are actually allotted for it at the church calendar. Um, so, yeah, all this stuff, you know, Christmas Day is more than, more than just a day. It's, it's, it's a long, it's, a, it's, it's several days, weeks of celebration. The same goes for Easter. And, um, of course, next week as we wrap up Easter season, uh, next week is the day of Pentecost. And I love preaching on Pentecost Sunday, man. I'm, I'm thankful that I get to do that again. It's, it's one of the highlights of my year for some reason. I love preaching about the Holy Spirit. And I love preaching about the birth of the Christian church. And, and the Holy Spirit just coming down and descending on, on, this, on this group of, of people who were gathered together. And 3,000 people being saved in one day. It's just a, it's a great Sunday to preach. So I'm looking forward to doing that as well. Uh, but before we get there, we've got to talk about the ascension. So if you've got a Bible on, you turn over to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be in the last chapter, in, uh, in chapter 24. Last, last, last several verses in chapter 24 of the Gospel of Luke. So we're going to start in verse, uh, verse 44. Luke 24, starting in verse 44. And this is Jesus talking to, uh, talking to the disciples. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the Scriptures. And he told them this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and he will rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in His name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And when He had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, He lifted up His hands and He blessed them. And while He was blessing them, He left them, and He was taken up into heaven. And they worshipped Him, and they returned to Jerusalem with, Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. And that is the Word of God for the people of God. Um, I'm not going to go back and read the entire last chapter of the Gospel of Luke, the one that we just read out of, chapter 24. But there is a lot going on in the 24th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. And I want to rehash a couple of stories that that we read about uh, leading up to the point where we are today. Um, 
because again, there's just a lot going on in this last chapter. First and foremost, we read about the resurrection. So we're spanning a nice little period of time from the resurrection to the ascension here in one little chapter. So we read about the resurrection there at the beginning of uh, chapter 24. And then we get to this story about, about these guys who are walking along a road. We call this the, uh, the story of the road to Emmaus. Some of you guys may have heard that, heard that, um, heard that before, that description before. But anyway, these guys are walking around along this road. It's just, it's just two guys, and, and they're doing whatever they're doing. I think, I, think the, I think the Scripture says they're talking about the events of the day. So they're talking about, they're talking about Jesus. They're talking about His death, and they, um, on this day, they had heard about the resurrection. So that's what they're kind of discussing as they walk, around the, walk along this road. So they're walking, they're doing their thing, they're having their conversation, and all of a sudden, poof, like Jesus appears out of nowhere, Okay? And y'all can go back and read that and, and, and check out that detail because here these guys are by themselves and all of a sudden this dude just shows up in the middle of the road walking alongside with them. Probably kind of strange, right? But anyway, Jesus starts walking with these guys and he starts talking to them. And very, very similarly to what we read about Jesus talking to the disciples today, I think that scripture says something to the effect of Jesus opens up uh, the minds of these men. He reveals to them the meaning of Old Testament scripture or Old Testament prophecy. So as they're walking along, their minds are being opened. I think they stop um, after a piece of travel and they invite Jesus to come eat with them, which he does. And after breaking bread with them, poof, <laughs> Jesus just disappears. Now, these guys are probably freaking out at this point, you know. Here, this guy just, poof, shows up on the roadway, <laughs> talks with them for a while. So they break bread together, either get them, poof, it's gone, just, just disappears. So we get a few verses ahead of where we are tonight, uh, today, prior to verse 44. And you got this other thing going on, another similar story. The, the, the disciples are all gathered up together. They're, they're, they're kind of being cowardly, to be honest with you. Um, because, you know, their king had just died, you know, and now, now somebody's talking about he might have been resurrected. So they're sitting there, they're all hanging out together in this room. They're, they're kind of cowered down, and all of a sudden, just poof! <laughs> you am not laughing at the poop like I thought you would this morning. <laughs> but that's, that's all right. But yeah, he just appears out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. That's like, that's, that'd be like if we were, we were in church together this morning. All of a sudden, this dude just pops up out of, out of nowhere there. Holy smoly, where'd this guy come from? So yeah, that's weird, certainly, but it's right there in the story. And you got to imagine, certainly these guys are, were probably freaked out a little bit for one thing, but I would suspect they're also kind of scared. And the scripture may even say that. Um, I'm not 100% on that. I have to go look, out, go, go look back. But yeah, I'm certainly that they were frightened. I, I'm, pretty, I'm sure the scripture does talk about they possibly thought that they'd seen a ghost. And, uh, you know, Jesus says, no, I'm not a ghost. He shows, him, he shows them his hands and he shows him his feet. And um, then, he, then he does something else that's kind of strange in this story. He says, oh, yeah, by the way, you guys got something to eat around here. And, you know, I guess being dead three days makes you really, really hungry. <clears throat> and they say, yeah, sure. And they broke out some fish, some, some broiled fish, and, uh, and they ate together. Um, actually, that's an exaggeration. The, 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 the story, the last um, chapter there of the Gospel of Luke kind of makes it sound like all this stuff happened within a short amount of time. And, Actually, it was a 40-day period. If you will read the, gospel, or the book of Acts, 
the same author of the Gospel of Luke wrote Acts, and he goes on to expound a little bit. So these events actually transpired over a 40-day period, which is why we have the 40-day season of Easter. But anyway, he sits down with them. He gets something to eat after, after appearing out of nowhere. And that's where we land in today's, in today's scriptures. He starts talking to his disciples. And our scripture says this, just like the story in the, uh, of, the, uh, on the road, of the two men on the road to Emmaus, our scripture says this, it says that Jesus opens up the minds and he opens up the hearts of the disciples, enabling them to see the revelation of Jesus Christ within the Old Testament scripture. This is very important. This is something I really want to drive home this morning. Because up until this point, even though they followed him, they really didn't know who Jesus was. And this scripture is very, very important to us because this is the point where Jesus lays it all on the table. And whatever he does to accomplish this, again, he opens the disciples' eyes, he opens their minds, and he opens their hearts to the Old Testament scripture, which they had known all of their lives. And he points to the Old Testament scriptures, which reveal him to them, which reveal him to us. Jesus is all in the, New, the Old Testament, folks. You're not going to find the name Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, but he's all in there. And that's what he was showing these guys here uh, just prior to his ascension in our scriptures that we read today. Here's just a few examples that I came across while, 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 uh, while working through this this week. Deuteronomy talks about the Messiah being a prophet. Deuteronomy chapter 18 talks about the Messiah being a prophet. Certainly, the, Jesus was a prophet. The suffering of Jesus Christ... The suffering of Jesus Christ is, a, is predicted in Psalm 22 and Psalm 23. I'm sorry, not Psalm 23, Isaiah 53. Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53. The sufferings of Christ are predicted. Isaiah 53 also speaks of the resurrection of the Messiah. Also, Psalm 16 speaks of the resurrection of the Messiah. Jesus is all in the New Testament. And now again, he opens the eyes of the disciples to point them to exactly who he is, exactly what has happened in their lives, in his life, exactly what has transpired and why it has transpired. And at this point, I'm talking about the death, the resurrection and what's coming next. That is the ascension. They finally get it. Okay. They finally get it because here's the thing. Even though these guys had followed Jesus Christ for three years, they had followed him everywhere he went for three years. They copied his actions. They mimicked him. They learned from him. They still didn't know who Christ was, and he had to do this. They, that's why they were cowered down in this room together. They still didn't realize the hugeness, the vastness of what had just happened and what was about to happen. They still didn't know exactly who Christ was or what Christ was. And we actually talked about this a number of weeks ago when we looked at a passage from the Gospel of Mark, if you'll remember correctly. Over in the Gospel of Mark, we had this story about Jesus and the disciples walking along and Jesus kind of turns to them. He says, hey guys, you know, who do, these people that we run into while, while we're doing ministry together, who do these people say that I am? And some of the disciples say, well, some of them think that you're John the Baptist. Some of them think that you're Elijah. Some of them think that you are another prophet. And Jesus kind of looks at him. He says, okay, but I tell you, let me ask you this. Who do you guys say I am? And we know the story. Most of us know this story. Peter, who has an, who has an, incredible, an incredible tendency and propensity to stick his foot in his mouth, 
actually got it right this time. He looks over at Jesus. He says, you are the Messiah. And Jesus says, yeah, you got it. You know, you just, you got it. Peter calls him the Messiah. He knew that he was the Messiah. Well, the next thing Jesus does is he proceeds to tell them in no uncertain terms what is about to happen, what events are about to unfold. He starts telling them that he's going to be persecuted, that he's going to suffer at the hands of the authorities. He says that he's going to die and that he's going to be resurrected in, third, in, uh, in three days. Peter pulls him, to, 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 to Peter pulls him aside he looks at him and says, Jesus, what are you talking about? Stop doing this. This is nonsense. And we all know Jesus rebuked him at that point. He said, get behind me, Satan. He actually called Peter Satan. Here's the thing. Peter knew that Christ was the Messiah, but he didn't understand what was about to transpire. He still didn't get it. He still didn't get it. Same thing goes for the rest of the disciples. They'd followed this guy for years, and they still didn't get it. Prior to the ascension in our story today, in our narrative today, they get it. Jesus gives it to him. He lays it out to him. He says, hey guys, all this stuff you've been studying in this Old Testament scripture for years and years and years, thousands, it all points to me. It all points to me. And their eyes were open. Their hearts were open and their minds were open. Make no mistake, folks. The Christ that we serve is the Christ. The Christ that we serve is the Christ. They finally get it. And they finally understand that they are standing in the very real presence of a very much resurrected king. A very much resurrected and very real king. There are a couple of things that stood out to me. Hold on just a second. While, God, or while Christ had given this speech, this final speech prior to ascending into heaven, there was a couple of things that he said that really stood out to me, that kind of grabbed my attention this week as I was going uh, through this text. The first thing that he says is that he states that the repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in all nations. Anybody happen to pick up on that while, uh, while he's going through this little speech of his? He tells them, yeah, that the, the, uh, the repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in all nations, beginning with Jerusalem. And of course, we know this is where it all begins. This is, this is a little bit of prophecy, if you will. Forgiveness, repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in all nations, starting in Jerusalem. <clears throat> and that's how it happened. That's how it unfolded. Now, that may, not, that may not grab your attention at first, but consider this. Consider this. Christianity, what, what Christ just said, happened. Christianity is a relatively young religion in comparison to other world religions. We're, we're relatively young. We're 2,000 years old, okay? That's it. In the whole scheme of things, we're, we're, we're babies when you look at some of these other world religions. Two, so 2,000 years isn't that long. 2,000 years in history is, is not that long of a period in comparison to some of these other things, especially when we consider how old the world itself is. In 2,000 years, the gospel was preached Repentance for the forgiveness of sins was preached so much that Christianity is right now the largest religion across the globe with approximately 2 billion followers. That's a short amount of time, again, in the whole scheme of things. That ought, that ought to really blow our minds. That's what Christ was saying here. It's going to be preached. And it was preached, and it has been preached, and it is being preached. Today, once more, we are 
the largest religion across the globe. Two billion people called Jesus Christ King, Savior, and Lord. That ought to blow our minds. That ought to astound us just a little bit, especially when we consider all of these other things that have been around for so much longer. The church has done a relatively good job, by the way. We hadn't always got it right. Certainly, we've made some mistakes along the way. But for the most part, we've done a pretty doggone good job with this evangelism thing. This is also our gospel call, okay? This idea of preaching repentance for the forgiveness of sins. This is our gospel call as Christians. It is our Christ-centered mandate as Christians. Make no mistake about that. I know that I've preached on the Great Commission before. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I have commanded you. You guys know that I've preached on that. That's not only our gospel call, that is our Christ-centered mandate, and it's not just for preachers. Okay? Protestants believe in one thing. There's, there's a lot of things that we have in common, but among them is the, this idea of the priesthood, what we call the priesthood of all believers. And it doesn't matter if you go to a Methodist church, a Lutheran church, a Presbyterian church, a Baptist church, or a non-denominational Protestant church. This is one of those things that all of us believe and all of us have in common. It's this idea of the priesthood of all believers. Okay? It's this knowledge that we, that we base on the Bible, that we base on certain verses in the Bible that says each and every one of us is endowed with the power and the authority to share the gospel with people. The power and the authority to share the gospel, to live the gospel, and really to preach the gospel, however, however that may come out. Um, but certainly, certainly to live it. Not only are we empowered to do these things, we are called to do these things. And I go back to the Great Commission. He didn't tell preachers and priests and pastors just to, go, to be the only ones that are doing this. He empowers all of us and He commands us all uh, to live this life and to preach, teach, talk about repentance for the forgiveness of sins. To preach, teach, and talk about the gospel. To preach, teach, and talk about Jesus Christ. All of us are called to do that. We're commissioned. We are absolutely commissioned by Jesus Christ Himself to tell the world about Him. Of course, through our words, but also through our actions. I, told, I, I was reminded this morning over in, over in Oak Grove, there's a very prominent um, quote that floats around the internet a lot, and it's attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. Uh, St. Francis never said this, but for some reason somebody came up with it and they attributed it to him. But I think it's a pretty good quote. I think it's pretty powerful, and I, speaks, I think it speaks, it speaks a lot. Um, but the quote is this. It says, Preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. Preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. Certainly, when we want to tell, we want to verbalize um, the gospel to people as we, as we are able to do so. But what do our lives look like? What, do our lives reflect the gospel? Because i got to tell you, we can, that's what people look at at the end of the day. We can, we can say what we believe, and we can claim Christ as our Savior and Lord, but if we're living lives that don't reflect that, people can spot a hypocrite a mile away. Y'all can spot a hypocrite a mile away. Y'all know what one looks like. We can talk all day long, but if our lives aren't, aren't reflecting that, we're wasting our time. And people know. People know. So that's what that means. Preach the gospel at all times when necessary use words. What does my life look like? Does my life reflect the image of Jesus Christ in my words, in my actions, and I would say certainly in the way that we treat people? So I go back, however, to preaching and to speaking and to verbalizing about 
telling the story of Jesus, about telling... Remember, we talked about what the gospel is, and I kind of just brought it down to its most base level at one time. It's just talking about Jesus. It's just the story of Jesus. And we can all do that. We can certainly all talk about repentance um, when those opportunities come up. But more so than that, all of us have stories. All of us have stories. You know, the, <laughs> we're going to have... There's, the, I'm a, I've been doing this for two years as a, as a vocation. I have yet to have the opportunity to grab somebody, <laughs> to get along with somebody, and, lay the, and just lay out the gospel to them. And, and, and quote a lot of scripture and tell them what they need to do to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. Most of the time, it just doesn't happen like that. We're not going to have these opportunities, okay? What we do have the opportunity to do is we have the opportunity to tell our stories, and we've all got them. We may not all have, you know, the, the, these crazy, wonderful, um, out-there stories about how God just reached down and, you know, just exploded on the scene at one time. Some of us do, and that's great. But all of us have stories. All of us have stories of how, of how we, maybe we did have one of those awesome, you know, experiences. All of us have these. Um, it may have happened like that. It may have happened um, over a period of time. All of us have had experiences with God. I certainly hope so anyway. That's how I, that's, that's primarily, other than what I do on Sunday morning, that's primarily how my, evangel, my style of evangelism works. Is it just comes up in conversation. It just comes up in conversation. You know, the fact that the, 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 the chances of me ever actually having the opportunity to sit down, the chances of you guys ever having, actually having the opportunity to sit down with somebody and, and, and pray over them and pray what we used to call the sinner's prayer, and that, those are rare. Those are so, so very rare. You know, allow the Holy Spirit to work. That's how people are saved. That's how people are, 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 really, are, really, are, are really brought to relationship with Christ. We're just, we're just instruments. We're just instruments. That's something I've had to learn as a pastor, as a preacher, you know, not to beat myself up for one thing. I'm just an instrument. You guys are just, you guys are just instruments, tools, tools that Christ uses to bring people to Him. If people do, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. But we can't beat ourselves up either uh, when that doesn't happen. Once again, none of that was in my sermon notes. <laughs> Second thing that stood out to me about this, uh, about this um, portion of Scripture was something that Christ said in verse 49. And Susan, Susan hit on it this morning, and I'm glad that she didn't bring it to a conclusion because she would have messed me up again. Verse 49, Christ says, I am going to send you what my Father has promised. Jesus tells the disciples, He says, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. <sighs> Anybody besides Susan Crystal and Margaret Bullington want to take a guess as to what He was talking about? <laughs> I meant to call your name too, Terry. Yeah, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Sorry to, sorry, to, sorry to ruin your thing next week, Susan. But that's exactly what he's talking about. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. The Father is about to send you guys the Holy Spirit. That's the present. That's, that's what's coming. We're going to talk about that more next week, of course. Because not too long following Jesus' ascension, the Holy Spirit is poured out on the disciples. And Christianity is born. We read about that on the day of Pentecost when this event happens, and I don't, again, want to get too far ahead of myself, but, the whole, but Jesus had to ascend to heaven. Jesus had to ascend to heaven in order for the Holy Spirit to be poured out on us, in order for us to be receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. We know where Jesus is right now. We say it every Sunday during our Apostles' Creed. 
but he ascended into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. Jesus is seated next to the Father. The Holy Spirit is with us. Now let's go back to, and I don't want to get too complicated. I'm about to wrap it up. But let's go back to some of our, because I do want you all to understand who the Holy Spirit is. Let's go back to the very basics of our faith, the very basics, again, of Protestant faith. And that is that we believe in this thing called the Trinity, right? We believe in one God in three persons. One God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So here's the thing. We can walk alongside Jesus Christ. Based on that, we can walk alongside Jesus Christ just as much as the disciples did. Not in a physical way. We know the disciples literally walked with Him. They literally learned from Him. You know, just as close as I am to you guys today. We can have that same experience because the Holy Spirit and Christ are one. Just they are God. And I know that's a, that's a hard thing to wrap our heads around. But yes, as, as much as Jesus was flesh, he was also fully God. As much as the Holy Spirit is a different person of God, he is also very much God. And, 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 and the characters of God, the character of God, doesn't change from one of these to the next. Okay? Because Christ ascended, we were given the Holy Spirit. And we can walk along just as much with him as the disciples did physically with Jesus Christ. Once more, don't want to get too far ahead of myself. <clears throat> but the Holy Spirit empowers us to do all these things that we talk about. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit guides us. He advocates for us. I like to think of it, and theologically this may not be a right way of understanding or not a right way of preaching it to you, so I'll preface it with that. But I kind of like to think of the Holy Spirit as my Christian conscience. I kind of think that's what He does. You know, He lets me know what's right and what's wrong. He points me in the right direction. Those types of things. Just as much as Jesus would have the disciples when they walked the earth. At the end of the day, understand this. Even though God, even though Christ ascended to heaven, we don't serve a dead God. We don't serve a dead Jesus. We serve a Messiah. We serve a Messiah who literally lived, who literally taught, who was literally killed, who was literally resurrected, and who literally ascended into heaven, where once again he remains as king, sitting at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. That's who we serve and we testify to that each Sunday as we repeat our Apostles' Creed. We serve a king who is still with us. We serve a king who literally dwells. If you guys, if you guys are saved, I'm going to speak to this word one more time. If you are saved, if you believe, we've hit on that word the last three or four weeks, believe that Jesus is truly who he says he is. Not a book belief, not an intellectual belief, not a mental assent, but a true heartfelt, soul-felt belief in Christ as who He said He was, who He says He is, that all of us have this. All of us have this. All of us are endowed with the Holy Spirit's presence within, within each and every one of us. And just as the disciples knew, just as they knew Jesus on a physical level, we can serve and love Jesus just as much, and we can learn from Him just as much today. How do we do this? It all goes back to Christianity 101. It goes back to the basics of our faith. It goes back to the basic practices of our faith. Jesus reveals to, just as He revealed to the disciples in our story today, Jesus reveals, us, reveals Himself to us through what? Through Holy Scripture. And by the way, one of the jobs 
one of the vocations of the Holy Spirit is to speak to us through Holy Scripture. He helps the Holy Spirit helps us to interpret Scripture. That's one way that Jesus speaks to us just as much today as he would have back then physically. We have the very real presence of Christ, of the Holy Spirit guiding us in everything that we do. Spend time with God. And that's, that's one word that, that, I, that I could stress. If we, if, um, besides, besides studying Scripture, if we want to know more about Christ, we've got to spend more time with Him. And that word simply is listen. And that is so hard to do. It is so, so very hard to do. I can't teach it. It's hard enough for me to, to practice it myself. The only way that you're going to get good at it, the only way that you're going to be able to do it is what, June Munford? Practice, 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 practice. <laughs> That's what we talked about last couple of weeks. Pentecost Sundays next Sunday. I can't wait. I hope you guys hope you guys will be here. Um, preachers, preachers really love talking about Pentecost Sunday. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning, Lord. We thank you for uh, those who have gathered here to uh, to worship you, uh, to uh, to fellowship with one another. God, we thank you for the life of Christ. We thank you that He was sent. Uh, not only for the forgiveness of sins, God, but to reconcile us to you, to reconcile the world to you, to reconcile creation to you, to show us the reality of his kingdom. And we just thank you so much for this, Lord. Help us to be more open to you and to more open to your promptings in our lives. May we reflect Christ in all that we say, all that we are, and all that we do. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Amen.